Welcome to the Gabelli Podcast. Today we have Gustavo Pifano. Uh, Gustavo, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi, Thomas. I joined Gabelli in 2008 after the University of Miami and began my career on the equity sales desk. Uh, after a year in New York, I moved to London to focus on asset gathering and product development for the buy side. Uh, we launched the Luxembourg CCAV and listed an investment trust on the London Stock Exchange. And after that, I went to Oxford for my MBA. Uh, I rejoined the firm in 2016 as an equity research analyst covering consumer and industrial companies. And since then, my responsibilities have grown as a co-PM on the Gabelli Equity Trust and International Small Cap Fund. And you're going to talk to us about the opportunities in the U.S. online sports betting and iGaming, or online casino markets. I've been seeing a lot of advertisements for sports books on TV and online recently. Why now? So in May 2018, the U.S. Supreme Court overturned the Professional and Amateur Sports Protection Act, PASPA, which was signed into law in 1992 and essentially relegated sports betting to just Nevada. With PASPA repealed, it became possible for individual states to regulate and tax sports betting. New Jersey was the first new state to open up, and as of now, about 30 states have legalized sports betting and seven states have legalized iGaming. So I became attracted to the sector because in Europe, online sports betting and iGaming had already been regulated for many years. So the tech expertise and back-end capabilities to run an online gaming operator had already been well-established. There are several publicly traded online sports betting and iGaming operators in the UK, which is a mature regulated market. And they immediately began to do deals with American casinos, fantasy sports operators, and media partners to gain a first mover advantage in the US. So within the private market value with the catalyst framework we follow at Gabelli, the regulatory change in the US presented a soft catalyst. And we also had hard catalyst materialized through M&A. William Hill, for example, uh, was a London-listed sports betting operator, which struck a deal with NASDAQ-listed Eldorado Resorts in January 2019, and that was to provide them with the back-end technical sports betting expertise. Uh, Eldorado subsequently merged with Caesars Entertainment, and that combined entity went on to acquire the whole of William Hill in a $4 billion all-cash deal, which closed last year. Uh, Entain is another London-listed operator, which partnered with MGM Resorts International for U.S. market access and last year saw interest from both MGM and DraftKings for a potential takeover. Uh, we're still in the early innings, but the U.S. is a country with high per capita incomes, has a lot of sports fans, and most people tend to have smartphones. So it has all the right ingredients for this sector to flourish, and our estimates are that over the next few years, as these states continue to come online, the U.S. will grow into the largest regulated online sports betting and iGaming market in the world. Uh, we estimate most states going live by 2025 and generating 20 to $25 billion of gross gaming revenues. That works out to roughly a 20% compounded annual growth rate. Could you just distinguish between gross gaming revenues and net gaming revenues for our listeners? Yes. Yeah, so gross gaming revenues, or GGR, is the total sum of all bets made by players minus the total sum of all their winnings. And net gaming revenues, or NGR, is the GGR minus bonus given to players, like free bets and taxes. So GGR is effectively the broad market's revenue index. It's what gets used for market sizing. And NGR, we focus more on in our individual company analysis. It's a closer uh, starting point to look at a company's profitability. Got it. So who are the key players in this space, and which ones do you like? In the U.S., three operators have quickly established themselves as leaders and are taking a dominant share of the market. On average, FanDuel, BetMGM, and DraftKings combined are accounting for 70 to 75% of the national market. 
with higher concentrations in online sports betting than iGaming. FanDuel is majority owned by Flutter Entertainment. They're headquartered in Dublin and are also listed on the London Stock Exchange. Uh, BetMGM is a 50-50 joint venture between MGM Resorts and Entain, which I mentioned earlier. And DraftKings trades on the NASDAQ. They went public through a SPAC in 2020. My top picks are Flutter and Entain. Uh, as of the third quarter of 2021, FanDuel was the leader in U.S. sports betting with a 42% national share. And BetMGM was leading in iGaming with a 32% share. Uh, DraftKings was the number three overall operator with a 33% share of sports betting and 17% in iGaming. But it just doesn't offer enough margin of safety at its current levels, uh, in our view. Uh, DraftKings is also loss-making, whereas Flutter and Intain have profitable international segments, which makes their some of the parts valuations more attractive to us. Uh, as a parallel, uh, in the UK, the average online better has three accounts, but younger betters, those aged 18 to 44, will have four to five. So I think these top three will continue to dominate the market, but you'll have room for two or three more serious challengers, and we're likely to see consolidation within the smaller operators. And how have FanDuel and BetMGM become so dominant? Uh, right when Pasco was overturned, Flutter acquired a 58% stake in FanDuel when it was purely a fantasy sports operator at a valuation of about $550 million. Then they increased their stake to 95% in 2020 at a valuation of $11.2 billion. Uh, Boyd Gaming owns the other 5% of FanDuel. Uh, in 2018, FanDuel had 8.5 million registered users in 46 states. And what they found was that 85% of fantasy players were willing to place real money sports bets. So as soon as New Jersey opened up, they had a head start with customer acquisitions and quickly started taking in around 50% of that state's sports betting handle. That ability to have customers already in the marketing funnel and launch on day one as new states come online has been a major key for all the market leaders. Uh, and also, FanDuel just seems to have the best all-around product, uh, according to player surveys. Users like the interface, betting action, and find it easy to use. They spent over a billion dollars in marketing over the last three years, and by leveraging the fantasy database, uh, acquire high-value customers at lower-than-average acquisition costs. With BetMGM, the ingredients for their success thus far have been the combination of Entain's tech stack, along with the omni-channel offering and marketing strength MGM brings to the table. By leveraging MGM's M-Life loyalty program, they're able to achieve attractive customer acquisition costs and high retention rates. And why weren't any of the proposed bids for Entain successful last year? Well, firstly, both of the mooted offers were for cash and stock, and oftentimes UK institutional investors tend to be unwilling or unable to accept US paper. So that was one challenge. For MGM Resorts, their offer was worth about £13.83 per Entain share, which that board dismissed as too low. And for DraftKings, their offer was worth about £28 per entertainment share at the time of announcement. But the DraftKings valuation and earnings profile are much more speculative than that of Entain's. Plus, they also had to have gotten MGM's consent for it, and that put them at odds. Uh, MGM CEO Bill Hornbuckle had said in interviews that they want to own the key systems which run their online operations and would only be willing to increase their stake in BetMGM. Before we go, are there any other thoughts on this space you'd like to share? I would just close with adding that while we focus mostly on the U.S. today, both Flutter and Entain are also well-positioned for growth in international markets. Online penetration in the global sports betting and casino markets is still relatively low. It was about 13% in 2019, and it's expected to exceed 20% by 2025. COVID has been an accelerant to what we see as a secular growth opportunity. 
In Europe specifically, which accounts for about half of the global market now, online share grew to an average of 35% in 2020 from 25% in 2019. That dipped last year with some land-based reopenings, but then is expected to work its way back up to 34 to 35% again by 2025. Emerging economies and new verticals such as esports betting add further runway for growth in the longer term, but we can spend more time on those in a future segment. All right. Thanks for coming on, Gustavo, and I hope we can have you on again soon. Thank you very much, Thomas. Speak soon. Several companies were mentioned in this episode. We own less than 1% of the following. Flutter Entertainment, ticker FLTR on the London Exchange. Entain, ticker ENT on the London Exchange. DraftKings, ticker DKNG. MGM Resorts International, ticker MGM. Caesars Entertainment, ticker CZR, and Boyd Gaming, ticker BYD. Following today's discussion, I must read the following disclosures. Equity investments are affected by market conditions. The intrinsic value of the stocks in which our portfolios invest may never be recognized by the broader market. The opinions expressed are current as of January 7, 2022, but are subject to change. The information provided in this podcast does not provide information reasonably sufficient upon which to base an investment decision and should not be considered a recommendation to purchase or sell any particular security. Portfolio holdings are subject to change. The performance of any single portfolio holding is no indication of the performance of other portfolio holdings of any strategy or fund. Comments made on any individual company or stock is not an indication that it is currently held in a portfolio nor is it an indication that it will ever be held in a portfolio.